0: sooner rather than later the nba could have two new expansion teams in las vegas and seattle what are those teams going to be called who's going to own them who's going to run them that's what we're going to talk about on today's episode of lots of thoughts a sports podcast without further ado let's get into it Thank you for tuning into this episode of Lots of Thoughts, a sports podcast. You can find us on socials at Lots of Thoughts Sports on Instagram, at Lots of Thoughts Sports on TikTok, at LOT Sports Pod on Twitter, uh, Lots of Thoughts, a sports podcast on Facebook. Uh, you can visit our website, Lots sites.com. There you can access all the socials, the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook, uh, the TikTok, the YouTube, I forgot to mention, Lots of Thoughts, a sports podcast on YouTube. You can access that all on the website sites.com, as well as uh, audio forms of the podcast and signing up for the weekly free newsletter. So with the housekeeping out of the way, this is an interesting topic I wanted to talk about this week and it became kind of popular from a tweet from Willie G Hernandez from the Associated Press. Uh, which he later on deleted. So we really don't know how authentic this is, but uh, at least it's a somewhat reputable source putting the information out there. And it's fun to talk about no matter how uh, soon this is potentially occurring. It's definitely something that's on the horizon for the NBA. So the tweet that Willie G. Ramirez from the Associated Press put out said, quote, Multiple sources have told me that the NBA wants to fully uh, wants to finally announce expansion to Las Vegas and Seattle during the Clippers' two preseason games at Seattle's Climate Pledge Arena on September 30th and October 3rd. He later adds, the Lakers then play two preseason games in Vegas on October 5th and 6th. So it's quite fitting, right? You have the two LA teams uh, playing in two locations that could be expansion teams for the NBA to reach 32 teams. Now, just overall, I think the NBA should definitely expand, and I think, I think removing Seattle hurt them a lot from a fanship perspective. You had two teams kind of in the Pacific Northwest area in Vancouver, the Grizzlies and Seattle Supersonics, and you moved them both, and both of which had their own reasons. But now you have a large area of fan base of of fans that don't have a team to root for, and you know putting the Supersonics back there instantly unites that area. And uh, in terms of Vegas, Vegas is definitely a growing sports city, right? You know, they have the the Golden Knights, the Aces, and uh, I should say the Golden Knights in the NHL, the Aces in the WNBA. They just added the Raiders in the NFL. They're looking to add a baseball team as well. And basketball is not too far off in the future. So, you know, it'd be kind of fitting to, to announce this news at the beginning of the season. Uh, odds are it's going to be when the new TV deal starts that they're really going to publish it, uh, publish the information and make it final uh, and bring those teams in. Cause the negotiations would be a lot smoother. Um, but expansion in these two cities has been rumored for quite a while. And I'm very happy that it's finally happening at least, you know, relatively soon. Both cities have been clamoring for different reasons, right? Seattle really misses the supersonics in a big way. And I think their fans really didn't follow them to Oklahoma city as much as some teams that have moved and Vegas with their growing population, they have really a growing sports uh, acumen in that city and adding another team is not a bad idea. In In terms of how these teams would be implemented into the NBA, they'd both be in the Western Conference, right? So you'd have to do a significant division realignment. You'd have to move one Western Conference team to the eastern conference and there's two main options there you either have the memphis grizzlies who are relatively close to some of the southeastern division teams or you have the minnesota timberwolves although they're further west than both the grizzlies and the pelicans they are really close to a lot of the central division teams in the east uh, which include milwaukee detroit chicago indiana cleveland etc so i kind of drew up two alternate plans um the first if they decide to keep Minnesota in the West. Uh, You'd essentially have to have a Northwest division change. Uh, You'd have Seattle and Portland obviously together, but given the gap between Northern California and Southern California, you'd probably include the Warriors and the Sacramento Kings in that division. Then you could kind of have a Southern Pacific division having Vegas, uh, the two LA teams, and then Phoenix. You'd have a, you know, Midwest division with the Timberwolves, Uh, the Jazz, the Nuggets, and the Thunder. And then you could keep the Southwest mostly the same, just take out the Grizzlies. So you'd have Houston, San Antonio, Dallas, and New Orleans. And then in the East, you'd have to reshuffle kind of everything. Um, Essentially, you'd have to pull a division from the middle. So you take Cleveland out of the Central, you'd take Philly out of the Atlantic, and then you'd take Washington and Charlotte out of the – southeast and make this kind of a mid-Atlantic division Cleveland Philly Charlotte and Washington Then you'd keep Brooklyn Toronto uh, New York and Boston in the northeast or I guess you'd call that I guess you'd have to call it the northeast you couldn't call it the Atlantic anymore you'd keep you move Memphis to the southeast with Atlanta Miami and Orlando and then you'd have the central mostly still the same uh, Milwaukee Detroit Cleveland and Chicago. I'm sorry, Indiana and Chicago. Now the other option, if they move Minnesota to the East, which they could do it would probably be a lot messier for travel purposes, just because of how you'd have to relocate everyone else. So in the same way, you'd still have the Northern Pacific uh, division, which would be Seattle, Portland, golden state and uh, Sacramento. And then the Southern Pacific region, which would be the two LA teams, Vegas, and then Phoenix, The problem here is that the Midwest division becomes kind of clunky because you'd have the Southwest, which would mostly stay the same in New Orleans, just because New Orleans is so close to Texas. You'd have the three Texas teams, San Antonio, Houston and Dallas, and then New Orleans together. So the four remaining Western conference teams would be all the way from Utah, which is let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six States over from Memphis, which would be on the other side. And then you'd include uh, Denver and Oklahoma city in the middle. That'd be the only clunky part. But if you moved Minnesota to the Central Division, so you'd have them with Milwaukee, Detroit, and Chicago. So in the same way, you'd have to take some teams from the from each division to form a new division. To take Indiana and Cleveland from the Central, you'd have to take Philly from the North, or I should say the Atlantic Division, which would now be the Northeast, and you'd have to take DC, and then that would leave the Southwest with Charlotte, Atlanta, Orlando, and Miami, and then the the Northeast now with uh, Toronto, New York. Brooklyn and Chicago. I'm sorry. And, and Boston. I think either way, it's a little bit clunky um, given that these two teams are both Western conference. You kind of have to shuffle some things around and one Western conference team has to make their way over to the Eastern conference. It's either going to be Minnesota or Memphis given their geographical structure in terms of how I think they'd be branded, right? Seattle's probably going to bring back the supersonics. I think, the colors the green and yellow are probably going to stay the same the name the moniker is obviously going to stay the same uh but i think they're probably going to redo a lot of stuff they're probably going to redo the logo redo the branding uh etc um uh, but keep that similar color scheme you know keep the identity overall but vegas is kind of a wild card which i think is interesting pun intended with the wild card there but i think i think it's an interesting thing to look at right um with their, with their teams that I mentioned earlier, right? They have a, a clear theme, the Aces uh, in the WNBA being black and red. You have the Golden Knights in the NHL being black and gold. The Raiders in the NFL being black and silver. You have kind of this tough concept behind what Vegas stands for, right? They're going to they're gonna beat you up. They're going to, you know, whatever the sport, <laughs> depending on the sport, obviously, but they're really going to make you pay for playing them that day. And the teams haven't necessarily lived up to that, although the Vegas Aces are in the NBA or WNBA finals. So, you know, they're they're at least having some success. And the, the Golden Knights made the NHL finals not too long ago. But uh, that kind of theme, I think, really fits the city, really fits the, kind of like the outlaw rebellious, you know, concept that's in Las Vegas. And I think keeping that throughout their sports teams is very important. I, I particularly enjoy sports teams with a theme, right? Like you have the Pittsburgh teams, the the Penguins, the Steelers, and the Pirates all have black and yellow as their colors. The New York teams are blue and orange, and the, the Mets and the Knicks, and is that it? The Islanders. You you have various themes that go around that I think are are incredibly interesting. Uh, you have kind of the uh, Denver teams forming like um, there's there's a clear theme with the Avalanche, the Nuggets. Um, The Broncos don't really apply as much, but the Avalanche, the Nuggets and the Rockies, you know, that kind of cold mountain feel. I think Vegas has built an identity with their teams so far, and keeping that will be very important in my mind for the branding of the city in the sports world. They do have odds out there for the new Vegas team name, ironically, Vegas odds for the new Vegas team name. Uh, Outlaws leads at plus 300. If you're if you're not familiar with betting odds, plus 300 essentially means that if you bet 100, you'd get 300 winnings back along with your money back. So if you bet 100 in a plus 300 bet, you get 400 back. Uh, Sin or Sinners is at plus 600. So you get 700 back on a $100 bet. Same with Vipers at plus 600. Then we have Vultures and Jokers at plus 800. At bandits at plus a thousand, and then some with longer odds: the Lions, the Devils, the Spades, the Invaders, and the Big Horns. I have to say, I don't love any of them, to be honest. Uh, Jokers is is all right. I get the I get what they're going for, but I don't love it. Outlaws seems so stereotypical. Vipers and vultures. I, I'm I'm usually a big fan of alliteration in sports teams, but I don't know. Neither one really sticks out to me. But more of what I wanted to get into is ownership in, in these new expansion teams. Uh, there's been a lot of hinting at Le- uh, from LeBron himself and from other reports that he would be very interested in owning a- an NBA team, especially if they expanded to Vegas. There's a quote I have from an NBA insider, Rick Boucher, on his podcast The quote is LeBron James apparently is in the pole position to be the owner of the Las Vegas expansion franchise when Las Vegas and Seattle, which I'm told is going to happen as soon as the next TV deals are in place, that those franchises are going to be added to the equation, which has a whole lot of repercussions, including the timing of when LeBron decides to step aside and become an owner rather than a player. I think there's an interesting dynamic here in LeBron taking over a team you've seen throughout his career that he's definitely had his fingerprint on the teams that he's played on, whether it's been Cleveland the first time, whether it's been, you know, orchestrating the big threes move to Miami, whether it's be being bringing Kevin love to Cleveland and surrounding him with, you know, different rosters and changing the entire rosters halfway through the season uh, whether it's be, been with the Lakers, you know, going into a young team, then, you know, getting one of his good friends in Anthony Davis, then bringing in Russell Westbrook to be a third star, right? He's had kind of his his hands on building every team that he's been on. And that's why a lot of, you know, fans refer to him as being the GM of a lot of his teams. I don't think it's quite that dramatic, but he's definitely had a hand in it. And it's not a surprise that he would want to be in ownership for that reason. Right. It's right in the tract of what you could see LeBron James doing. But I think ownership of the two expansion teams because it becomes an interesting topic in the NBA due to their diversity issues. So the NBA has ownership, diversity issues, not as bad as, uh, you know, some of the other major league sports uh, in North America, like major league baseball, like the national basketball associate, I'm sorry, like the NFL national football league. In terms of minority ownership, the NFL has two uh, majority team owners who are minorities Neither of which are African American, even though the league is seventy percent black. And those are Shad Khan, who's of uh, the Jaguars, who's Pakistani American, and um uh, Kim Pagula of the Buffalo Bills, who identifies as Korean American. And you see such a big discrepancy in ownership, and that's led to a lot of coaching and management decisions, right? If, if Older white guys own the team. They're going to hire older white guys to run the team, and they're going to hire older white guys to coach the team. And it's why you don't have a lot of minority coaches in the NFL today. In the MLB, it's a similar story, right? Now that Derek uh, Derek Jeter's divested his stake in the Marlins, there's no minority owners. It's it's all a bunch of rich white guys, right? So you have less less uh, diversity among decision makers on major league baseball teams and the NBA, although slightly more diverse, they have one minority owner and that's Michael Jordan and the Charlotte Hornets. Right. So uh, the the difficult part of, of minority ownership in every sports league is improving. The rates is incredibly difficult because they're private entities, right? If I own, I don't know, the Detroit lions, right. And I want to sell the Detroit lions. I can choose who I sell them to. It doesn't, it doesn't matter the offers that come in, it doesn't matter who's offering them, I can pick that. And so if the owner is an old rich white guy, he's likely going to have friends that are old rich white guys. And so that transfer never happens to minority ownership. And you can't force someone to sell their business to, you know, a certain person based on the color of their skin, which I, I understand. But there's definitely ways you can go about you know getting more minorities owners in, because it's better for the sport overall, especially with sports growing in diversity. you want ownership to better represent that and, and management and decision makers to better represent that diversity in each league. So the best solution in my mind to help combat this problem is when a league has league or team ownership. So think of when the Hornets were owned by David Stern in the NBA back when they tried to trade Chris Paul to the Lakers and that whole scandal happened or or when Donald Sterling lost the Clippers for his racist comments. The NBA takes ownership of that team and then can sell that team to the the next, you know, person that comes along to bid. But if the NBA owns that team or or whatever league owns that team because of whatever scandals happen because they forced the owner to sell the team, they can choose who to sell the team back to, right? It can be a minority. It it, it can be someone who maybe doesn't offer as much, but brings more diversity to the table. I should say, who doesn't offer as much financially, but does bring more diversity to the table. And the NBA opted in the opposite direction, right? The Clippers owner, Steve Ballmer, is the richest in professional sports, but he's another old rich white guy. And they took the money rather than the diversity. And, you know, it really sucks because that was a prime opportunity to set an example when you had a team that was taken from um, Donald Sterling because of his racist tendencies and his, you know, flat out racist behavior. You could have easily flipped that to a minority owner and, uh, you know, made that a PR thing for the NBA to show that they're invested in making a difference and that this behavior is not only not acceptable, but you know, it would really be paying back Donald Sterling to sell his team to someone that he thought was lesser than him. So I I think expansion is just another extension of that, right? So if LeBron becomes an owner, they could choose that they could sell to LeBron because he's one of the biggest stars in the game. He's probably the second biggest star of all time in the game, maybe third behind Kobe, but in terms of internationally, he's definitely right up there. Um, and nationally as well he's definitely the biggest star of this generation of basketball watchers Um, and so you know he's definitely someone that they I could see them wanting to sell the Vegas team or, or allow LeBron to buy into the Vegas team as the chief decision maker but what I think is interesting is Seattle right in the same vein they could have that opportunity to improve minority ownership and i think they should take that opportunity the nba should certainly you know take that opportunity now that they have these two expansion teams coming through so i want you to go through with me i have a definite idea for who i think should likely own it or could likely own it or would really engage a lot of talk and a lot of excitement among seattle fans so think back to when i talked about uh lebron being a key you know figure in the player empowerment movement right and think of another face of that movement in recent NBA history. Try to come up with someone, you know, while you're listening to this, think through NBA players who's really had a hand in shaping the team that he's been on and that he's currently on. And now he famously asked out in the off season after having a hand at building the team uh, and bringing his co-stars in, even though they've, you know, haven't lived up to expectations and then bringing in trading for a third star and then asking that third star to be traded only to ask to be traded himself in the off season. And then being told by the actual owners, no, think of the star, that same star who was drafted in Seattle by the supersonics, the last first round pick in Seattle before they moved to Oklahoma city, who's often referenced Seattle losing out and, you know, romanticizing his time in Seattle talking about feeling bad for the fans and hoping that they can get that NBA team back in the future. If you're thinking of Kevin Durant, that's who I'm referencing. Kevin Durant, the last first round pick by the Seattle Supersonics, really the last face of the franchise before they moved. He was drafted with knowledge that they were going to move to Oklahoma City, but he was their last, you know, hurrah in Seattle. And he's talked about often about bringing basketball back to Seattle. And I think there's no one better to usher in this expansion. You have the two players of, or the two faces of the player empowerment movement, right? Then Katie really helped build the nets, brought Kyrie and brought James Harden and really helped orchestrate that. Right. Good friend of Steve Nash brought him in as head coach and he'll largely have, you know, some role in the decision-making process through the rest of the four years of his contract. If he's not traded before the end of it. And LeBron, as I mentioned earlier, really, a key figure in the player empowerment movement through every team he's been in. What better way to get back to the players? What better way to install, you know, stars as owners, what better way to increase minority ownership in the NBA than having two former players. This is assuming after they're retired in the relatively near future for LeBron and for KD, right? He's in his, you know, almost mid thirties now. Um, These players are going to retire relatively soon. So, what better two faces to put at the front of your expansion movement, especially given that they're the two best players of this generation. And I know that I might receive some backlash in the comments about not including Steph Curry in that, but in my opinion, first and second best players of this generation, LeBron and KD, they know how team building works. And you know, who knows if Kevin Durant will really be interested. We know LeBron's interested in Vegas. We don't know if Kevin Durant is interested in Seattle, but it would certainly be my choice if I was, you know, the NBA, if I was Adam Silver in charge of making these decisions, but I'm not, I'm just a fan like you. And, uh, you know, I just like talking about it because I have lots of thoughts about the situation. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode. I should say this episode of Lots of Thoughts, a sports podcast, a little bit of a different one, uh, not really focused on specific sporting news, but I thought I'd talk about expansion given that tweet that I saw. And I think it's a fun topic to talk about and to listen to. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, If you haven't already subscribe to our YouTube channel, Lots of Thoughts, a sports podcast on YouTube. You can also visit our socials at Uh, Lots of Thoughts Sports on Instagram at Lots of Thoughts Sports on TikTok at LOT Sports Pod on Twitter or at Lots of Thoughts, a sports podcast on Facebook. You can access all of this from our website, lotsofthoughts.godaddysites.com. Thank you very much for listening or watching if you're watching on YouTube to this episode and have a wonderful rest of your day.